Welcome to the 80s and 90s presents 99, where every day is a party like it's 1999. Here's your hosts, Jamie Fenderson and Milo Dennison. So what we're doing here, we do need to say a little bit about it. Mm -hmm. So we've each got four tech companies that went public in 1999. Jamie's got two. I've got two. Some of these tech companies have stayed around. Some you've probably never heard of. Yeah, well, I, I thought we had four each. We do, four. That's what I said, four. I know, but you said two. It's not about what I say, Jamie. It's about <laughs> what I mean. How, okay. Come on. <laughs> okay, sorry, dude. It's about what the title of the episode is. <laughs> okay. okay. Fine, four tech companies. We've each got Fine, four man. tech companies. I'm sorry I didn't read your mind there. Like, Come on. Whatever. <laughs> How long have we been recording this crap? You should know that by now. Yeah. Well, 99 was interesting because like that was kind of the kind of the middle or middle end of the dot com boom. So, if you don't know what the dot com boom was, it was like that where all these tech companies went went IPO and it was just like this big irrationally exuberant time. And a number of these companies we're going to talk about, some of them like you said we might know, some of them we didn't know, um went went IPO. And my first one is called NVIDIA. I believe I've heard of NVIDIA. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know about it because like when you right click and you want to change like the way your screen looks on your laptop, it goes NVIDIA display. And then you go into that and you can configure the way your, your, your display looks on your laptop. That's why I know it. So NVIDIA is, um, is a, a GPU. So they do graphic processing units. So think about like Intel as a CPU. NVIDIA is like the graphical version of that. So it, it, it was founded um, by some guys in 1993 and they were all like chip designers, um, like a lot of them for AMD and Sun Microsystems. And they were like, hey man, there's a lot of graphical problems to solve, especially with all this video game action coming out, right? And they founded this, this company to kind of solve a lot of those kind of graphical uh, problems. And, and, and they, they found, did you know they found it? They only had 40 grand in the bank when they found this, wow. when they founded this company. <laughs> Can you believe it? And now they're like the most prominent graphic processing unit producer in the world, right? And they started out with 40 grand. <laughs> wow. Good for them. Isn't that cool? I always like to hear that story um, because it's kind of fun. Now there, there's all uh, there's all kinds of like how you, you know I don't know how chips work very well, but again they they later they got some capital and they started really going and they and they went uh, they went IPO in 1999, which is the same year they released like something called GeForce 256, which was like a some kind of crazy. 3D hardware stuff. So by 1999, they were doing pretty well. They were doing some pretty awesome stuff. And I think a lot of like the video game coolness that we we saw like in the late 90s, um, if you look back, it's probably has a lot to do with the work that these guys did. Yeah. Now they're into like deep learning and they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't even know, but they're around still and they're, they're, they're killing it. Um, but they went IPO in 1999. I've owned stock in NVIDIA. Uh, really? I currently don't. Yeah, I sold it. 
did did pretty well on it. I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't really buy at the IPO point because that was 1999. <laughs> but yeah, um, <laughs> over the past few years, yeah, I've, I, I, I did buy some and sold it and did pretty well. You know, our lives, this company, it's part of our lives, whether we know it or not. Now they now they're killing it. Good job, guys. My first one is going to be MapQuest. So this might be something people might not have heard of, but probably have heard of, but I don't know how many people have necessarily used it, but I used to use it all the time back in the day, like before Google Maps came out, they were the shit. And Mm -hmm. I really liked the MapQuest, the way the site worked. And it was really nice. They, yeah, they, they were founded in 1996. They IPO'd in 1999, February 25th for a while did really well. They uh, had a great mapping service. I think even the first few years of Google Maps didn't work as well as mm-hmm. as uh, MapQuest did. Unfortunately, they've really kind of gone downhill since then. AOL bought them in 2015. And then I think AOL sold them at some point in time. Yet they are still around. Um, TomToms uses MapQuest. Oh. Uh, so there are some systems. I think they do have some other travel products like uh, Gas Buddy, which I don't know, I'm guessing gives you nearby gas prices by the title of it. Oh, well, but that's, that's, that's basically it. That's MapQuest. It was a precursor to Google Maps. Lots of people used it until Google Maps took over. Yeah, I remember like mid to late 90s, MapQuest was the, sh- was the thing you used. Like it was the shiznit, right? It was kind of the only map online map product there was that was kind of good. And I think it's one of those things where they were maybe the first to do something, but someone bigger came and did the same thing, but a little better maybe. And then they, they died. It's always kind of a sad story when you hear that, but um, yeah, map map quest probably joined the, the yahoos and the, the used to be bigs and the ask Jeeves or all these other companies that used to be really cool. And now they're kind of dead. Yeah. I, you you know you're down if AOL buys you you know you're probably in it trouble. It seems right? like it, and I'm noticing a trend <laughs> on our tech stuff from the '90s. If AOL buys you, it's because you're past your prime. Yeah, I remember printing up because back then you of course didn't have your map on your phone, right? So you'd go into your computer, you'd put in where you're going and from, and you'd just print out the directions. Yeah, you and then print take it out with you. Yep. That's right. You'd you print it out. Yeah. Because we didn't have smartphones yet, right? <laughs> Nothing that could show a map yet. Not no. quite yet at that time. So. Yeah. Oh, I miss MapQuest. Me I'm going to use it. I'm going to start. If it's still around, I'm going to use it. It somehow. is. Uh, they do have apps for all of the phones, uh, Android, iOS. So you can still use MapQuest if you want. Well, I think we should. Let's use MapQuest. Let's have a MapQuest packed. Okay. Um, Milo and listeners, let's let's download MapQuest and be MapQuestians. <laughs> let's do it. It's how long that lasts. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it, man. I don't mind using MapQuest. I'll do it. Give it a try. My my next one's XM Satellite Radio. It's called because um, it merged with Sirius, so now it's Sirius XM Satellite Radio. But you have to remember, like. Like satellite radio now is just a thing, right? But back then it it kind of it was kind of a new thing. So for instance, Sirius uh, came around the same time as XM, right? And Sirius, the guy who founded that, he 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 actually went and said, "Hey, h- how about this, guys? W- 
all those uh, radio signals that aren't in use, how about we get like some that we make those like satellite signals, right? And so like radio people are like, what the heck is this guy trying to do? That's crazy stuff, man. That's that's nutsoid. And and back then it was kind of nuts, right? And then like the origin of XM satellite radio was they, they actually like did some kind of petition to the FCC, Federal Communications Commission. And they said, hey, we want to actually have this petition around rules for like satellite, um, satellite radio, because we want to have this service where you have satellite radio come into your, to, to your place or your car, wherever. And it's like CD quality and it's like subscription based. And it's like, you can listen to this really high quality satellite radio. So it was kind of a strange thing at the time because people are like, Ooh, satellite radio. And how's that different from normal radio and all this stuff. Right. So they, 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 they actually started working through that and they, and they kind of, kind of won their stuff and they, um, they, they made this satellite um, early nineties, they made this satellite radio where you could get um, like CD quality sound to your, to your box or even to your car later. I remember I used to work at like long haul trucking and you even get like a tax subsidies for this kind of satellite radio if you're a trucker and yeah. Howard Stern started doing his thing on satellite radio. So pretty cool. I mean, it's cool that it was new back then, right? <laughs> yeah, I do remember how cool it was when people would get it. A buddy of mine had 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 it installed in his car and you had to get the you had to get the receiver because of course stereos then didn't have it pre-installed to work. Mm-mm. So you had to have a separate satellite yeah, radio receiver. And that was kind of one of the problems with it too. But uh yeah, I remember the Howard Stern thing because it was all the news how much money they paid him to switch from regular radio over to satellite radio. Yeah, yeah, that was big time news back then because he he was huge back then, and uh, so that was that was quite the acquisition for them. But it's funny now; pretty much the only time I hear about satellite or anything to do with satellite radio is when renting a car. Sometimes car rentals will come with the XM satellite radio installed set up on it. And that's about it. I don't think I know any actual person that uses satellite radio anymore. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anybody either. Like, and I don't, and even the car that I got, kind of new. It's got all that, that stuff, but I, I, I guess I don't, I guess I'm okay with just like normal radio and in, in my town yeah. and my airwaves in the area are good enough for me. Um, so I, I don't have it and I don't know anyone who has it, but there must be a market for it. I know truckers have it. And Long that makes truckers. sense. I mean, if you're yeah cruising across country, you, you don't want to have to change stations all the time. It's interesting how that they're still around, especially with how Spotify is now, because Spotify is kind of the same thing. Yeah. Just you're not connecting to the satellite in the same way. So there's that, but there, there's that. Yeah, props for them sort of sticking it out. My next one's 1-800-Flowers. So <laughs> a lot of people have probably ordered from 1-800-Flowers at some point in their life uh, before going to the 1-800-Flowers website, you actually could call in. So that's how this company started out. Originally, it was a flower company in 1976. And then mm-hmm. rolling into the 80s, they had the idea of well, why don't we set up an 800 number and people could call in and order flowers to be delivered 24 hours, seven days a week kind of a thing. And when the 90s rolled out, of course, 
they went online. So you can actually go to 1-800-Flowers.com and order your sweethearts and flowers. And it was pretty interesting transition and props to the owner of the company, Jim McCann, for basically thinking of it and being really ahead of his times across the board, not just, I mean, with the website where you can go and order flowers, but also the 800 number, like to come up with that in advance. It's interesting. He didn't actually own, have that phone number at the time. It was actually the 1-800-356-9377 that spells out the flowers. It was owned by a trucking company, speaking of truckers. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) they uh, basically had to get by the rights from the trucking company to get the phone number from them, which then somehow turned into a couple lawsuits. I'm not too sure why. Maybe there was some, you know, disagreement as to what what they were supposed to get from it. But they own a lot of stuff now. The the company, the one had flowers. They own Design Pack gifts. They own Flower Rama. They own uh, Alice's Table. They own. Where's some more stuff that they own? But quite a few different companies are now owned by one eight hundred flowers. Like if you go to their website, it's literally just this list of things that you can now order through them and have it delivered. Wow. Hey, yeah. and they're still around, still like kicking, still doing things. They're still around. Yeah. You can still buy stock on the company. Uh, they're currently trading. I looked it up today, 13 something. I want to say like 1350 is what it yeah. was. I, yeah. Something like that. It wasn't too expensive uh, of a share price. Get a little of that action. I'm, I'm kind of impressed that they stuck around because I know they, same thing, had were struggling during that dot-com bubble when everything crashed because they IPO'd at that time and everything crashed and they kind of crashed a little bit with them, but they managed to stick it out and are still around. So good for them. That's rad. My next one's GeekNet, which didn't start out as GeekNet. (laughs) It went through a lot of stuff to become GeekNet. It was actually called VA Research when it was founded in 93 by the same people who founded Yahoo!, and it was kind of a re- it was a kind of a research thing and what they wanted to do was sell like these personal computers that had linux on them right so the linux is another type of uh, operating system and it's kind of an alternative to like the unix workstations which were kind of big and expensive so they they wanted to do that and and they started doing that pretty well um and then they they um not only did they go IPO in 99, but they bought a bunch of other things that had to do with Linux, right? So they were kind of the Linux people. They even created this something called Linux Labs division. So they were kind of the Linux people, right? Totally Linux people. And I've never really heard of this. And then they, they went IPO in 99 and they started out like this huge, they started out way up there like almost 300 bucks a share. But then like <laughs> over the course of like the year, they went down to like nine bucks or something or <laughs> something like this, right? It, it's like that typical dot-com where everything just started out too expensive and then it, it, it kind of, people figured it out and then it went, it, it kind of plunged. Um, but they, they still acquired and, and they, they even had a partnership with the Japanese big corporation called Sumitomo. And they really started, they started growing and then they went through all kinds of other kind of someone bought them and they got bought and this and that. Um, And then they finally became 
GeekNet in like 2009. So they became, after all this craziness, they became GeekNet. <laughs> I don't even know what happened. Like they went through all this other stuff. And then before you know it, like Hot Topic wanted to acquire them. The, the retailer like Hot Topic. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and, then, and then guess who ended up buying them? AOL. No, GameStop. Oh, GameStop. <laughs> GameStop bought them. <laughs> Like 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 seven years ago, like for twenty dollars a share, like one hundred and forty million dollars. So this is one of those things that I'd have to look into more to figure out how they went from like this kind of soul Linux PC people, and over the years how they just morphed and changed, and then before you know it, they're called GeekNet. They're owned by GameStop. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. It's very strange, but it would be interesting to look into this strange company a little more to figure it out. But it, it is just too much. There's too much weirdness to even go through. But they eventually, now that they're owned by GameStop, who's closing stores left and right. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is quite possibly not going to stay around too long. Yeah. So you never know what happens, man. That's the crazy thing, especially businesses that went IPO in, in 99 <laughs> yeah. just turn into something else you don't know you don't know where they're going to go some yeah. are good some are bad <laughs> yeah i'd never heard of them till now it's a strange strange company all right well here's one drcoop.com it's funny if you go to drcoop.com which is still in existence at the bottom of the website, it actually says this website is not associated with C. Everett Coop, MD, former Surgeon General of the United States, but previously was associated with Dr. C. Everett Coop, Surgeon General of the United States. So Dr. Coop was a Surgeon General in the Reagan era administration, and by all accounts, actually was a pre pretty decent Surgeon General. So he left office and decided to get involved with these guys, Donald Hackett, and form a health company, an online health company. They started the site and did really well. Like within the first few months, they had like 2 million visitors. So, and it was, a, it was a health site. It was the equivalent of, uh, M, what is it now? WebMD. It was mm -hmm. a precursor to WebMD or yeah. postcursor, whatever. But the point being, it's basically, it was similar to WebMD. You go to the site, you get health information. And of course you had Dr. Coop's name associated with it. So you, there's a certain expectation of quality because he was a respected person. Although he didn't have a lot to do with the content on the site, he did do some stuff for it, which is pretty impressive considering he was 82 years old when the site launched. So this is like you know, the nine, late 90s, 97 technically, uh, when the site first launched. And you've got an 82-year-old man who is like that tech savvy, former Reagan administration person. So, of course, it launched and did really well in the first few days of trading. But it also, the site itself got a lot of criticism because this was early days of advertising as well. So think about now some sites still do a little better job and they're supposed to kind of call out, this is an ad, this is not an ad type of stuff, even though they, you know, kind of intermix those still quite sneakily. So they would actually have paid um, content on there and didn't disclose mm -hmm. it. So 
this would be some company selling vitamins or something like that, marketing them as here's an here's a great article about the greatness of these vitamins and you should take it. And it's got Dr. Coop's name linked to it, that kind of stuff. But since it kind of, you know, was that type of a site and got a bit of flack over it. And of course you had the WebMDs and those other ones, they went through money really quick and it only took, you know, about a year or so after their IPO that they're, they tanked and their stock price went from $20 before the year 2000 and to buy. So 99, so basically after, right after they IPO'd tanked to 65 cents, 65.6 cents. Oh. In August of 2000. So there's the dot-com bust in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> this site is an example of the dot-com bust. Yeah. This is exactly <laughs> that type of a company. You know, we're going to launch it. We're going to make tons of money, although we're not really doing anything that makes money. And we tank. So yeah, so it was kind of funny. He, uh, the, the site eventually did go, the company went bankrupt and was sold in 2002 uh, for $186,000 to a company called Vitacost, which sells vitamins, basically. It's a vitamin retailer. Dr. Coop actually did try to block that or at least get his name removed from it because he basically didn't want his name associated to a company that just sells vitamins. He didn't. It didn't really work, but he did still do really well from the company because he sold most of his stock in 2000, kind of before it tanked. So he did still make like 800, according to the article I read, $850,000 when he sold his stock in the company. It's all right for not doing much. Not not much at all. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, he died in 2013 at the age of 96. Oh, well, maybe he was a good, healthy kind of health doctor if he's living living on to almost 100. Took care of himself indeed, but uh, yeah. yeah. So I just love the like disclaimer. This uh, Dr. Soup Coop is no longer is has no association to Dr. Coop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 it's like <laughs> Jamie and Milo actually have no association with Jamie and Milo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. Someone just. My next company is called Webvan, which is a very interesting company to me. They're a grocery business, and they started in 1996. Um, and their whole thing was that they would deliver groceries in certain markets within 30 minute windows, right? Online. Does that sound familiar? This yeah. does sound familiar. Yeah, we do it a lot now, but back then it was a new concept. It only lasted three years, though. It went bankrupt in 2001. Now, I was like, why, why did that happen? Because this was really a forward thinking company, right? I mean, think about it way before we actually have you, the ubiquity of, of, of grocery delivery, which is something you can do easily. Now, this company came out like quarter century ago and tried to do it. Right. Um, so it was really ahead of its time, but I think the problem was it was started and run by like techies, like technocrats who had no, they really had no, um, experience in the the grocery business at all. And they didn't really hire anyone who was. Um, The the other thing is they they really wanted to expand. So they had like one market in San Francisco and then they were like, yeah, okay, we're going to go to every other market in the United States now, right? So they tried to do that aggressive expansion, but they, they didn't really prove out their model in the one market they were in before they tried to do that, right? Also, and and this is maybe kind of true today, they were targeting kind of like 
kind of value customers, like kind of price sensitive customers. When this kind of delivery at the time should have been more toward, you know, hey, you're a busy kind of wealthier person, like we'll deliver your groceries, right? So their target market was kind of off. Um, and then the whole like supply chain logistics issues that that came with all of that. So I don't, I think it was such a good idea and the company was so forward thinking, but this is a good example of like a company that had a good idea and it would become ubiquitous later. It would become something that happens a lot later. They just couldn't execute it well, but I respect them for trying um, because it really was forward thinking at the time. It really was something that was way ahead of its time. It just wasn't executed well, but you have to respect them at least for thinking about something that that would become very prevalent in the future. Good job, Webvan. I, I, even though you only last a short time, um, the founders of Webvan, I think you all were thinking like way ahead, um, and maybe you're just too far ahead of your time at the time. Wonder where they are now. Like if they went on to other big adventures and other well, the, the founders, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Pro- probably it was founded by a guy named Lewis Borders. Borders. He founded uh, Borders. Borders, the bookstore. The bookstore. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. So he went on to other stuff, I guess. Well, he founded Borders. He founded Borders first. A long time ago, first in, okay. the, in, the, late, in the early 70s. Okay. Um, but then he, he, he tried to do, he founded this web van. So I don't know if. Lewis Borders seems to be like the guy who, like he founded Borders in the seventies, which is a great bookstore, but then later got killed by Amazon. And then web, he found Webvan, which might've got killed by Amazon if it had lasted. Right. So it seems like maybe Lewis Borders um, kind of has a forward thinking kind of thing going on. Right. Yeah. So he, he's not a dumb guy at all. So I just wish I could be smart. Like, like Mr. Borders. Yeah. <laughs> All we can do is make podcasts. <laughs> Talk about smart people. Talk about we smart do. people that we aren't. <laughs> yeah. We do a little reading about smart people and then talk about them. That's as far as we go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you've probably never heard of mine. It's called Flues. Flues.com. So what Flues was, uh, it was a, and I say was because it went away. It did not last long. And uh, basically, the idea was that it was a uh, currency, but how it worked was more like um, frequent flyer miles or that, those types of things. So what you would do is you would go to online businesses and buy things, and then you would get flus points. And then you could go to flus.com and buy things with those flus points. Pretty simple business model. Uh, the problem was, of course, they just couldn't get enough merchants on the site. And it was still kind of one of those like, you know, 99 kind of era. It's like, what is this flus points thing? And then I got to go over here and I got to spend them on stuff. You could buy flus if you want. So you could actually just go and say, I want to however many flus and pay cash for flus that you could then go to flus.com and buy stuff with, uh, which also made it sound ridiculous. What's fun about this one is 
that Whoopi Goldberg was the spokesperson for the company. <laughs> so you can actually go on YouTube now and look up Whoopi Goldberg flus ads and see some <laughs> of her ads of hawking flus. <laughs> so what a terrible name, by the way. I know it makes like it makes me feel like I should go get a vaccine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you have any flus? No, and I don't want any. <laughs> Uh, it did not last long, closed its doors in August 26th of 2001. It's, is that kind of a proto-cryptocurrency kind of thing? Kind of is, actually. So another yeah. one is a bit ahead of its time. It, I, I like the, the the frequent flyer comparison because that makes sense because I know I had a frequent flyer or I had a credit card and, and, and you get points. And I remember that you could go to their site and like buy shit off the site with the with your frequent oh, flyer right. points. Okay, it's kind of like that, huh? Yeah, so it's kind of like that. As uh, but yeah. um, but for internet companies, but they they didn't really just get they didn't get enough merchants involved in it and just kind of faded away. Well, I didn't fade away. Actually, it bombed. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it didn't it didn't gracefully like just kind of skip into the sunset. It just <laughs> well, he flopped in the pool <laughs> <Yeah>. and drowned. <laughs> Hey man, that's dot. That's the dot com bubble. I don't. I don't know if we'll ever see another one of those again. But it was good to be around. Yeah, it was fun to fun to be there at the time and see it happening. Uh, luckily, probably a good thing I wasn't. I didn't invest in stocks. I wasn't a buyer of stocks. <laughs> we were we were kind of broke back then. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Fortunately and, for us. <laughs> yeah, because I could have potentially invested in a company that bombed and been like, yeah. damn it, damn you, dot com bubble. All your money. <laughs> <laughs> I invested in a company that didn't do anything <laughs> and then it failed. What have, What's up with that? <laughs> damn you, flus. I, what flus. am I supposed to do with all these flus I have now? I got all these flus points, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a flus point millionaire. It's like Confederate dollars, meaningless. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> 